You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. podcast back after a medium-sized delay my name is Oz Davis I'll be your co-host for the show joining me uh not actually a popsicle as he feared he might become is Joe Pritchard out there in Wisconsin Joe how's the weather treating you man uh, well, here's the difference between Wisconsin and my friends in Winnipeg. Okay. So in Wisconsin this morning, it was negative 30 Celsius, which is somewhere around negative 25 Fahrenheit. Uh, either way, it's really stinking cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I threw out the question at like 6 a.m. to say, hey, Winnipeg friends, uh, at 30 Celsius, we're basically shutting our entire city down. How do you guys handle your 40 below, which is what they're at today? And like the three or four answers i got were like uh we're just doing what we always do right so that's there's your difference between wisconsin and winnipeg among other things right but it takes quite a bit to scare the wisconsin folks doesn't it joe yeah i mean apparently that number is as uh, 25 degrees uh below zero fahrenheit uh plus okay wind, right got there down go. to about 50 below there you go yeah the other thing the other thing i wanted to say when i saw your tweet was um the interesting thing about minus 40 is that that's when celsius meets fahrenheit minus 40 yep. celsius is minus 40 fahrenheit so hey winnipeg people it's minus 40 no matter what language you speak in north america joining us as always uh well, first time in a long time, actually, is our other co-host, Dr. Rouge. Dr. Rouge, how are you freezing in Pennsylvania? You know, guys, I, I had to make an important decision towards the end of the season, of course, and that was where to take my talents for the 2019 season. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, before I do another podcast with those guys, hell would have to freeze over. Well... <laughs> that we know what happened today, so I'm back. <laughs> I, as as in, I understand, it's not that cold in Texas. No, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? Well, there goes our one listener well, in Texas. Goes, <laughs> that I know, really. No, I mean uh, Joe. While he was suffering through minus twenty five wind chill this morning, it was a balmy minus 20 wind chill here in pittsburgh so balmy um balmy and yes by the way there was that one idiot of the male persuasion who i saw wearing shorts today oh yeah oh yeah i I just and don't and and oz don't you say anything about walking to the gym today all right okay i was just gonna don't you say a word i was gonna say wow i saw a lot of people wearing shorts (laughs) i wore not, not even at the gym. Uh, before we bring I'm telling, on, I'm telling you, Joe, we got to find a way to get rid of this guy. All right, he's nothing but trouble. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Americans are really good at staging coups. So, uh, but let's not discuss that right now. Before, before, before we bring on our guest for this show, uh, Doctor Rouge, you haven't been on it in a while, and there's a burning question I've had for you for a long time. 
Uh, here it is, the CFL offseason. So one of the few things that has been happening is that the CFL players, some of them have been, you know, testing their fortunes overseas in America, in the in the NFL, and trying to get with clubs there. And, of course, there have been a few notable signings. For example, one of my favorites, Alex Singleton, got with the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Bo Levy Mitchell seems destined uh, to sign with a team. He's worked out with anywhere between six and nine teams, depending on which source and when you believe. However, it uh, looks primed to be in the NFL next season. Now, here's my question for you, Dr. Rouge. Let's mm-hmm. let's say that next year, you know, uh, Bo makes it with the, let's say, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, the Jaguars being what they are, you know, pretty excellent all around, except that quarterback makes his way up to that starting position. Ultimately, we get a Super Bowl 54 with the Philadelphia Eagles, Alex Singleton's Eagles, facing mm-hmm. Bo Levy's Jaguars. Would mm-hmm. that be enough to get you to watch it? Would you watch that game? Why? Oh, really? No. Oh, wow. You're breaking my heart. Breaking my heart, Doc. I began my NFL boycott four seasons ago, all right? Right. You you do not know how liberating my Sundays have become. I enjoy Sundays. I don't have to. I actually enjoy Sundays when they're spelled S-U-N-D-A-E-S, too, but that's another story. But I don't have to put up with this nonsense. I don't have to look at the commissioner's face as he tries to say something to make me believe that he actually cares about humanity. I don't have to put up with the nonsense about all these athletes. You know, the, the three of us were joking about uh, the the uh, the Sewer Bowl a few minutes ago before we started to tape this podcast. And, you know, the, the reality is I just don't care. Wow. Okay. Now, now. If Joe were playing in the Super Bowl, <laughs> I DVR it. All right. Okay. Joe. Joe plays curling. Joe's a curler. Yes, he is. <laughs> right. He gets swept up by it. Right. Okay. Well, let's. I think we should move on before I start. You know, making some curling jokes. That's right. One man who does pay attention to curling and the NFL, and of course the CFL, in his position as a staff writer at Awful Announcing, is Andrew Buckholtz, who's with us today. Andrew, how are you doing? Where are you at? You're in California with uh, with me, aren't you? I, I am, and uh, yeah, it's nice and not freezing here. So uh, yeah. thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, this the wind chill today was like what seventy or something like that. It was it was brutal. In any case, uh, Andrew, so uh, we'll talk some about the CFL offseason, particularly about the CBA and what little we can surmise about free agency thus far. But wanted to talk to you uh, in a story you've been covering over there at Awful Announcing, uh, actually something good in announcing, the new U.S. broadcast deal for CFL games in 2019. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so in in terms of what this is actually going to look like, it's going to be pretty similar to what we saw last year. Uh, the CFL has, again, signed a deal with ESPN. It's a multi-year deal. Uh, about 20 of the games are going to be on, uh, on regular TV. Uh, ESPN does have the option to boost that a bit if they want, but they have a minimum of 20 games, including one division and final in the Grey Cup. They'll be 
be live on their conventional networks, and then the rest of it will be on ESPN+. But what's interesting about this is that, uh, according to comments that CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrose made to Sports Business Daily, at least, is that they got a bit of an increase out of this. The CFL is getting more money from this than they did in the past. Oh, that's, uh, that's good news for that's good news for the league. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's due to a couple of factors. One, more people are watching it. Uh, they got an average audience of 163,000 in the U.S. for the TV game last year. But then the other thing also is that the demand for content really went up for ESPN with their push to this ESPN Plus. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the CFL to anchor that are much more important to them. The CFL is a very nice fit for that because a lot of the people who do want to watch it do want to watch every game or at least a lot of the games, not just the one or less that's uh, that's on TV every week, especially because a lot of the TV ones are often in the summer. And so there's a lot of weeks in the fall where it, there's no CFL on actual uh, ESPN TV. So a lot of the CFL fans in the States are going to pay for ESPN Plus for this. And so that makes it a desirable property for them. But it's, it's also... It's just a lot of content. There's a lot of games yes. there, and they can put that in ESPN Plus, use it as a way to market that service, and get some subscription fees out of it. So there's more demand from ESPN for the CFL than there was back before they were paying people were paying to watch it. Mm-hmm. Andrew, I'm curious. Does this mean we could see, maybe not necessarily in 2019, but sometime down the road? Some of the TSN special uh, weekly shows like CFL Wired might might appear on ESPN Plus. Might we see a more elaborate pregame show uh, on on ESPN Plus? You know, similar to what folks in Canada would see on, on TSN. And they talk about whether this increase also means an increase in not only or or a, a consistent number of games, but also the potential for more content uh, around the games themselves. Yeah, there's been no official word on any of that yet, but uh, that's certainly a good question. And as I understand it, that certainly could happen. Uh, You have to keep in mind that ESPN owns a minority stake in TSN. There's a close Mm -hmm. relationship. Uh, They do pick up some TSN programming, uh, especially lately during the NHL trade deadline. They've picked up TSN's programming directly for that. Uh, The reverse is also true, obviously, of TSN picking up a lot of ESPN programming. So you would think that they would at least they would have the ability to do that uh, probably without without too much trouble. And it might make sense for them. The other the huge advantage of ESPN plus for a lot of more niche sports like the CFL is there isn't there isn't the scheduling issues. Right. There's no. Mm -hmm. Well, if we then it means that other people can't watch whatever they want to watch. It's all on demand. It's all people seeking out whatever they want to watch. And that's why they have things on there like MMA studio shows and NHL studio shows and other things that they wouldn't be putting on conventional TV. So there's certainly the space for it. They certainly would likely be able to pick up a TSN uh, studio programming if they they felt like it. The question is just if it really makes sense for them and if they think the CFL fan base in the U S is large enough for that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some of it show up at some time. I gotta, I gotta say, I don't quite have a PhD in ESPN plus, but I've definitely got a master's. I can't believe how often I watch that stuff. 
And basically, the pattern on that uh, format, let's say, seems to be this. First, they get the sport. They start showing it. They start giving it the exposure. And I know because on ESPN Plus, I watch rugby. I watch cricket <laughs> in addition to CFL stuff. And this year, I'll probably be watching softball on it as well. Um, I love these sports, and you can't get them anywhere else. Now, the thing is, after they build a niche audience, then you'll tend to get the special, what they call the special ESPN Plus programming. Okay, like right mm. now, like right now, they have a, a soccer show that runs, I believe, every day, and you can only get it on ESPN Plus. Um, when rugby season is on, they have that show. Uh, when World Cup is on, they have a show for that. And so these things expand with the audience. I would assume that next up is cricket because I'm certain that the cricket audience in America is huge. I mean, there's cricket fans everywhere in the world. That market is huge everywhere. So I assume that would be next. But you might get something from CFL. If you, if you get the CFL games on something besides ESPN+, Plus, like ESPN or ESPN3, like they used to do in the old days, or ESPN2, you do get the pregame and the halftime mm -hmm. show from TSN. So I think for right now, that's all we're going to get. Um, I don't know. I think I, I would guess with expansion of the league, maybe that might be the time you'll see more programming. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I think you make good points there. I think it, it, the CFL is certainly not at the top of the programming priority list for ESPN when it comes to studio content. Uh, there are going to be other things even on ESPN Plus that do draw that do draw more viewers. And something that's interesting with ESPN Plus as compared to conventional TV is they have a much better idea of exactly who is watching. What, yes. Right? Because it, mm -hmm. it's also tracking actual streams as opposed to Nielsen ratings. So if there is a big demand for the CFL, they'll, they'll be able to track that and then they'll figure out, okay, hey, maybe we should add some stuff. The one spot where the CFL could convention, can, uh, perhaps jump up in that programming priority queue is considering the TSN relationship and considering that these shows that they would potentially show, they already exist. So you're not mm -hmm. paying people to do them. You're not paying for a studio to operate. It's already happening, syndicating it. And so that it's much cheaper to to air some of that. So that could lead to the, some of this CFL stuff uh, getting, getting picked up and getting shown before things that have a bigger audience. But it all just it really depends if ESPN thinks that their CFL audience really cares about TSN the TSN shoulder programming. Yeah. The other thing you have to remember, and you've really been seeing this at ESPN the past two, three years when you hear about these massive layoffs, is that, you know, remember, ESPN is now owned majority by Disney. OK, and Disney is all about profit margin. It doesn't just have to turn a profit. It has to make this kind of profit margin. That's why about every 18 months you're about these mass layoffs, even though. All the shows, the network, 30 for 30, is making is making profit. It's not making, quote-unquote, enough of a profit. And that's the thing. ESPN Plus is a super cheap format, but, you know, Disney always wants more. 
is the thing. So, you know, fingers crossed, especially, I mean, the, I guess the hope here, th this is another thing I've been thinking about. I guess the hope here is that ESPN goes more in with the CFL while CBS, I believe it is, is going in with the AAF and the XFL and stuff like this. I guess that would be the hope because here's here's ESPN pushing alternate football. It's an alternate alternate football, right, to the AAF and this other XFL and whatever else we're going to get. Right, and it's also one that's been around and is going to continue to be around, so that might be part of the draw for a uh, new audience to lock into. Now, Andrew, you've probably been you've been tracking this a lot closer than I have, and you've and you and uh, the league has gone from random games on NBC Sportsnet and NFL Network to the CSPN deal over the last five years. How much has that audience grown over the past five years, and is it? And how important is it that they stay with uh, somebody like ESPN with the kind of deal they have right now? Yeah, I think that bringing everything to ESPN has worked out very well for them. They have, as you mentioned, they've had a variety of other deals over the years. They've had some NFL Network. They've had some NBC Sports Network. Uh, but the last few years, it has been all on ESPN uh, combined in between the TV properties and the digital stuff. Whereas it used to be the digital stuff was on ESPN free for a long while, even when it, uh, games were airing on NBCSN and NFL and, and so on. But it's very mm -hmm. useful to have that all under one roof and to know that if you want to watch a CFL game, it's going to be on either of these networks or on their digital property. You don't have to go really go looking around for it. Um, I think that that has definitely helped build the audience. I think the consistency of knowing that every game there has helped build the audience. And I think that the U.S. interest in the CFL has has seen an uptick in general over the last few years. And that's part of why you get those, uh, those bigger ratings. Before the season starts, it's 100% true. Americans have consistently in the past two or three years played more CFL fantasy football. And they've, more, and they've made more bets in Vegas and online sports books. They just have. There are a certain amount of American football fans who want football, you know. And so from June until August, they follow the CFL. They plunk down their money on the CFL. That's That works. And, and this, this talk about moving up the schedule, that will help in that regard. Yeah, what do you definitely. Think of... and I think that's something that also stands out in comparison to those other leagues you mentioned, the, uh, the, AA, the AAF and the XFL, when that comes around. Uh, the design of the AAF, at least, is for it to be a spring league. So it's not even going head to head with the CFL in terms, right. uh, in terms of scheduling. And so I think the CFL is in a strong position in that it will continue to be that summer football fix. Now, obviously, um, th there is some interrupt competition you may have people being like well i just watched u.s based football throughout the spring so now i don't really need to do it in the summer and there is obviously going to be competition for players which i think is the much bigger deal with the aaf and with the xfl but uh, it's nice for the cfl that those leagues aren't really targeting the summer at the moment because that summer stretch is where the league does very well in the u.s i'm curious you know Obviously, the CBA is sort of overshadowing everything, free agency, yep. 
you know, when does a 10th team come in? Uh, which players are going to sign in, in the U.S.? Is there a chance they come back to Canada? All of that. Setting aside the economic issues, because obviously the dollars and cents are going to, uh, you know, determine what uh, shakes out from that. Setting aside the economics, what is, as you look at it, the number one sticking point in getting a, that, that CBA deal done when the two sides get serious about talking? Oh, I mean, I think it's hard to set aside the economics because that is right. a whole lot. <laughs> right. And that's and, what and I mean. I mean, obviously it's, obviously, it's a dollars and cents issue. But when you right. separate that, what are the other things underneath that perhaps sort of under the radar people might not be concerned sure. with? Yeah, I mean, I think well, even when it comes to dollars and cents, some of it is how you divide those dollars and cents. And when it comes to like minimum lengths of contracts, when it comes to what rookies get paid versus what veterans get paid, when it comes to the practice clubs and that sort of thing. But even if you go completely away from the money, uh, one of the big things is uh, is the health. And uh, it, it, especially the CFLPA has been making the big fuss over, of this over the last little while, and they've got some good cases in point, such as Jonathan Hefley, of players mm -hmm. who were hurt playing CFL football and then weren't covered long enough to cover all of the surgeries that resulted. And I think that's that's a, that's a very strong argument for the CFLPA to be making. Uh, they do have some some notable cases on that front. And given the wider tenor of coverage about football and the consequences of football out there right now, I think that that is going to be uh, is going to be a major issue. I think you're going to have some sticking points uh, with the CFL's announced plans around international players uh, mm -hmm. with what, uh, this outreach into Mexico and this draft of rights to Mexican players. You're going to, I think you're going to see a lot of interesting negotiations about just what that means and what does that mean for roster spots? Are you going to have less Canadian spots? Are you going to have less American spots? And I think it, there's going to be some interesting discussions about uh, about uh, management salary caps and how that looks. Uh, uh, there's going to be uh, interesting discussions about if the players can actually get to a model where they get part of uh, where they get part of the profits or part of the revenues instead of just a flat uh, a certain sum that's set every year. So uh, there, there's a lot on the table, and I don't think it's going to be a particularly easy negotiation. It certainly wasn't last time, and I don't think that sides have really got him much closer since then. So do you think in percentage terms, um, what, what are the chances that we see a delay, be it, you know, and I'm not talking about a one day delay getting trading camps open. I'm talking about a significant delay uh, percentage chance of that happening, which would obviously then impact in some level um, either the quality of play early on in the regular season, or perhaps a number of games in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to tell at the moment because they haven't really started the full negotiations at this point, and we don't mm -hmm. know how dug in these sides are to their positions. If I was just making a guess, I think, to me, it seems pretty likely that we're going to get something close to what we got last year, where there were just huge fights leading up to training camp, where you had some issues with late opening training camp and so on, but it didn't wind up affecting uh, the whole season too much, and they got res resolved partway through the training camps and partway through the preseason. And I think part of that is because you have to look at 
uh, you have to look at the exact makeup of the CFL players. And a, a big part of that is there's a lot of guys in the CFL who uh, their biggest concern really is getting on the field, getting playing time, getting, uh, getting a highlight reel that they can then put together and use to try to get to the NFL. And so mm-hmm. those guys, I think, are, have strong incentive for the season to go on, even if it doesn't lead to them getting the best deal they possibly could. So I think it's, it's, uh, and it's interesting because we haven't really seen a lot of successful lockouts or or lockouts or strikes by players associations in general, but in the last decade or so, but I think the CFLPA has it even harder than most given the very different situations of their members and given they have a lot of guys who just want to play. But, Actually, I have a question on this because technically the CBA doesn't expire until May 15th, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's this question about free agency, okay? Can the league have its cake and eat it too? In other words, they're not going to have an agreement in place by the time free agency opens on February, what, 12th, is it? Is, Is that the date? I believe it's February 12th. Um, and so free agency market's going to be open, but no agreement. Can teams still make deals with players, especially franchise players? Yeah, I mean, I think they totally can. Uh, yeah, and it, it is February 12th, uh, that, that opens. Okay. I think they totally can, and uh, it really it comes down to players' willingness to sign on. I think most players are going to be willing to sign on. And we've even seen a lot of big name players signing with the teams that they were with right. instead mm-hmm. of testing free agency because they're, they don't think they're going to get more in the open market. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's going to be the case with the majority of free agents too, that like they could hold off until a CBA is signed on the hope that that CBA is going to dramatically increase player compensation but I think most people are pretty sure that it's not going to dramatically increase uh, player compensation. It's, so I, I don't think it, there's going to be enough incentive there for a whole lot of prominent players to be like, well, I'm not signing until we get CBA. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, mm-hmm. It could be proven wrong, but I, I don't think that the, the financial changes are going to be strong enough to make it worth doing that. Andrew, what did you make of uh, Deron Carter tweeting on January 11th that he might retire if there's not a, a CBA by the time free agency opens? It's an odd move, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a bit <laughs> of an odd a bit of an odd move, but I mean he he certainly can, right? And I, I think. This is one thing that I think maybe CFL ownership miss sometimes and something that's going to become even more notable now that you have actual uh, competing leagues in the U.S. The thing is, these guys don't have to play for you. A lot of them, especially with the American players, they're not guys who have always dreamed of playing in the CFL. Some of them get up the CFL and really like it and make a great 10-year career out of it, but a lot of them, this is their plan B after not making it to the NFL, and their main goal in the CFL is to try and get to the NFL or to get back to the NFL. And so I think owners have to be cognizant, and especially now that there are other options popping up with the AAF and maybe the XFL, they have to be cognizant that you have to make it worth these guys' time. 
Now, whether Deron Carter is actually going to fall through on that and retire, who knows? But I, I do think that we, we've seen in the past and will continue to see in the future, there are some guys who could play in the CFL who decide not to for one reason or another. Maybe they, maybe they get better coaching opportunities somewhere else. I mean, an interesting case in point there is, uh, is Graham Harrell, who was just named the USC OC. He had a brief stint in the CFL, mm-hmm. eventually got bought and uh, be a backup in the NFL, did that for a little bit, and then got into coaching, and that's proven much more lucrative for him. So for guys who do have options on the table, and there's going to be a lot more options on the table very soon, um, if the CFL doesn't wind up treating them them very well, I, I don't think that it's always an idle threat to walk. I do think that some of them are going to choose other things. And we've seen that with other things, too. We've seen that with people leaving to take oil patch jobs. We've seen that with people leaving to, t- to take investment jobs or whatever. So while the league is trying to negotiate a CBA that's going to work well for it, I think they, offer, they also have to be cognizant that – it's not a closed market where people will just play for whatever they feel like giving them. Joe, you've been kind of quiet. Yeah. Now, so we are seeing, we've actually saw a player retire just yesterday. Uh, and Matthias Gosen out of Winnipeg looking for uh, a job uh, in, I, yeah. I forget if it was police or fire, fire, mm-hmm. but it was something that was more of his, uh, life goal than being a football player. Uh, so we're seeing that, and we're also seeing the competition between the with the AAF and soon the XFL. A lot of people are worried that there might not be enough talent out there to uh, go around. I'm a little bit less worried about that because there are so many players out there, but I think we're going to see maybe the over a few less of the top stars top stars that are unsigned by the NFL come to the CFL uh, but how how do you think how do you think the new leagues are going to impact the overall talent base is it going to be noticeable to the average fan yeah i think that's an excellent that's an excellent point and i do think there is going to be an impact and i think where we're going to see the biggest impact is in some of the highest profile guys who wind up in the CFL like the Duran Carters or so on, like the other guys who play at, at big schools. Those, I think those are going to be the guys who are going to be courted the, heavy, the heaviest by these new American leagues, especially as a lot of them are looking to capitalize off college fan bases and be like, hey, we've got that guy you used to cheer for in college. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a challenge for the CFL. I think you're, you're right that there are enough players out there that the CFL will still get good players. I think they, they are going to have to look a little further for them. Uh, I think they'll have to look at Division Two and Three more. They'll have to look at smaller Division One schools a bit more. And I think I know a lot of people have been very skeptical of it. I like the idea, at least, of some of these global initiatives that the CFL is trying to do, of looking at players outside of North America. Who knows if any of them will actually be able to compete in the CFL, but if any of them do, that's a great story for you. And I think that that is something that the CFL should be doing. The CFL has always thrived when it goes further afield and when it finds the guys that the big American leagues don't want for one reason or another. So I think it's going to need to do that more than it has in the past now that you've got some more competition out there. 
Right. Okay. You're not oh. going to see the you're not going to see the Johnny Menzels of the world over the next few seasons. The guys that are high profile and have washed out for some reason uh, come up north most likely. But then you got guys like Brandon Zilstra that were low level U.S. college all of a sudden uh, come make them make themselves stars in the CFL. I don't see that that kind of thing stopping. I just see more opportunities for players like that to come out. But, but guys, I mean, the one thing I got to ask you all is, okay, let's have a knee-jerk reaction from everybody. Okay, Dr. Rouge, you can go first. Look, will we be talking about the AAF and or the XFL in two freaking years? Doc, what do you think? Yes or no? I'm guessing... I'm guessing one of the two, and I don't know which one okay. of the two it'll right. be. I suspect the AAF having the, for lack of a better phrase, the, the earlier start in comparison to the rebirth of the XFL might give it an advantage. I also think that the you know AAF is making a really good effort at going after good football cities, but not NFL football cities. Um <sighs> Absolutely. Probably too early to tell. But if I had to guess, I'd say I think the AAF might have more staying power than the XFL. Well, the XFL has the money and lots of leagues have tried Birmingham, Alabama before. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think, Andrew? AAF, XFL, do they survive? I think in in two years, we'll still have at least one of them around. And I I also do think that the AAF is off to a better start and seems to be on a firmer base. Uh, The XFL has the advantage of having WWE's marketing power behind it, but that didn't exactly save the XFL, so we'll see. No, I think the XFL XFL is DOA, honestly, just by that name and having the and having the attachment to WWE because your average sports fan isn't going to give it a chance because of that, and your WWE fan base, if they watch football already, probably already have an attachment to a team, so it's going to be very hard for them to find anything in between the two. But I'm sorry, Andrew, I'll uh, I'll let you take over. No, 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 that's totally fair. No, I, I just I think the, the maybe the more interesting discussion is either of these leagues still there in five years, and I think at the mm. moment, that's, well, yeah, that's a bit. Hate. I think there's enough for uh, there's enough for the AAF to make it through at least a couple of seasons at this point in time, and I think they've learned some of the lessons what's gone wrong with previous leagues, but I'm not entirely sure that there's enough fans there to support this long term because it there's a long history of alternate football leagues in the US that it's never really worked out for. And so uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it'll work in terms of overall staying power. I do think one thing that's a definite possibility and that is worth keeping an eye on is how the NFL eventually responds to these. Because the thing is, the NFL could really use a developmental league of one sort right. or another. Mm-hmm. And I think they want, um, in a lot of ways, the CFL is sort of that for the moment, but there's, it's going to be much more convenient with, uh, with the, uh, the AAFL uh, with it not having that season overlap, with it being guys who are already in the U.S., I think they even have some contractual things that are going to make it easier to get to the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see if how the NFL responds and if they wind up giving them a support and or taking an interest in this league. Then the other thing to consider, too, um, 
the one league that's been t- floated uh, float out there a bit but not really talked about too much is that Tom Brady's agent is starting this league of his own and it's essentially <laughs> an alternate it's an alternate developmental pathway uh, instead of college it's taking high school players and put uh, paying them and putting them into a football situation to try and get them to the NFL without going the college route and so that's not a direct competitor to the AFL or to or to the XFL but it, it'll be interesting to watch because I think that also has a strong possibility of getting some NFL investment and get uh, becoming one of the developmental leagues or something. So I think for for any of this to really work long term, NFL investment would be a huge boon and would be a huge way to make it work. And it'll be interesting to see if they do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, to be honest, I got to get out of here pretty soon because guess what, guys? You guys know. Guess what my excuse is? You're going to take a walk in, the, in shorts to go to the gym? Ah, I got to cook dinner for the girls. In any case, uh, but I did want to ask you this, Andrew, because it, this seems to come up every year, and the writers and, and the Twitterers and the fans of the CFL get all freaked out. Um, right now, for example, CFL.ca is reporting that up to 240 players might be free agents. Now, this number is always bigger than the reality. How many um, players do you think are actually going to become free agents within the CFL? And as a side question, which player aside from a quarterback do you think is the biggest impact free agent? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly nowhere near that number. Of course. A lot of those guys are just going to wind up signing with their team. And then some some of the other guys are going to wind up going to the NFL. So, I mean, that's free agency of a sort, but it's not free agency movement within within the CFL. Right. Um, I, I'd, I'd predict we maybe uh, – I'd say it's probably in the, like, 50 to 80 range of guys who yeah. actually will change. Okay. I haven't run the full numbers for this before, but it, it's always – a fraction of what you what you initially see and I, I i think some of the most interesting guys really are the receivers um hmm. we've already seen brandon banks resign uh we've seen deontay spencer go to go to the nfl but i'm i'm interested to see what happens with uh, daryl walker yeah i think daryl walker is just an incredible talent i think he's a, he's a guy who can be a big impact player in the CFL. And what's interesting about him, too, is he's not a typical CFL receiver. He's a lot bigger than your typical uh, CFL receiver. And so that that gives team whoever picks him up some interesting options. So I, I'm really curious to see where he lands. Mm-hmm. 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 And how much does Mike Riley's situation uh, make it less likely for him to uh, opt to take the familiar route, so to speak, and, and and go back to Edmonton. And if you see him leaving Edmonton at this point, where do you think is the most likely destination for him? Yeah, I mean that that's certainly that's certainly a good question, and I don't really know the answer. But I think it, that's certainly something he he and his camp are thinking about. Of, do I commit to the Eskimos, not knowing what the quarterback situation there is going to be? Um, a, a lot of people have thrown it out there, but I do think an interesting thing to for to consider with Edmonton free agents like Terrell Walker is the BC Lions, uh, right? Former mm-hmm. S- Ahmed Hervey there. He knows these guys. He brought in a lot of these guys. And I think he 
will will have some strong interest and may make them may make them good offers to get in some guys that he knows. Well, that's what they're rumoring for Riley too, right? I mean, I've been hearing this for months that he's like looking at BC. Yeah, well, and I mean, and you never know, right? Like, I mean, you never know if that's actually going to happen, or right? If that's just some really obvious connecting of the dots. But right. I, I do think it fits with it fits with Ed Hervey's mo to go get guys that he knows. I think we've seen that with some of the ways he's filled out that coaching staff. We've seen it with some of the moves he's made as a general manager before, and so I do think a lot of the Eskimos pending free agents are going to be linked to BC, and there's at least going to be some problems there. Uh, okay, we'll get you out of here, Andrew, but I got one more question for you. And, Joe, you can weigh in on this one if you like. Uh, after the Chris Jones move to Cleveland, wow, real step sideways there, uh, I put out sort of a – I called it a troll poll, sort of a funny poll on Twitter, saying that with Chris Jones gone and the fact that the Stampeders are probably going to be shredded, who's going to win that Western Division next year? And I got something like 93% return on Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, I know it's really early, Andrew, but don't you think that with the way the Stampeders are being stripped, with the fact that Riley may not return to the Eskimos, that the Bombers look really good early into this uh, offseason? I mean, I think they they certainly seem to have more stability than some of the other mm-hmm. teams in their division. I don't know that that's enough to really make them favorites, and especially given that they they haven't got that dominant passing game yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe that happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they're able to do some upgrades at receiver. Uh, maybe maybe they become a better offensive team, or maybe they just look better by comparison. If you don't believe I Mitchell in the division anymore, mm-hmm. but I. I I do think for the for my pick for the West favorite is going to be whoever winds up with Mike Riley. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if Bo Mitchell, if Bo Levi Mitchell does go to the NFL, as a lot of people are predicting, I think Mike Riley is the, uh, the best and most proven quarterback in this league, and I think that's going to that's going to make whoever gets him a favorite. Mm-hmm. Joe, what do you because, think? Should I should I put some I money down on the Bombers? Automatically, and that automatically breaks Joe's heart because we know Matt Nichols is in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like the fact that the Bombers are the most stable team because if you take away uh, Matt Nichols, basically had a, like a full month where he just wasn't himself all of a sudden last season. You take away that, the Bombers have been. The mm-hmm. right behind the Stampeders for the last two seasons, it's hard. It's always hard because you look at what Calgary does and you look at what players are leaving and you put the emphasis on that. But they always have the next man up. So it's very hard to go, OK, Calgary is going to drop this year. I mean, wiser men than me have made that prediction for the last five years, I'm sure. But I do like winnipeg situation i don't think that they're the clear favorites but i can't say i'm all that upset about where they're sitting at the moment either well all i all i think about calgary is says that look singleton's already gone right uh mitchell's probably gonna go and micah johnson might go too i mean you know that's huge that's huge that's only three guys but that's huge you know, and yet we were saying the same thing last year, too, with the people they lost last year. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Maybe but, not quite well, to the same yeah, extent. Yeah, right, right. But right. they had it, replacements. It's worth, 
Sorry, it, I just would say it's worth keeping in mind, too, that Calgary has a, a great tradition of pulling quarterbacks in particular out of a, out of a hat, right? Like, they, they, they've <laughs> yeah. done just fine despite it's losing true. the like. Dickinson, losing the likes of Henry Burris. Remember when Drew Tate was the big starter and Bo Levi Mitchell was the third strainer uh, mm-hmm. when Kevin, from Kevin Glenn. So, I mean, John Huffnagel is very good at finding talent, and he's maybe especially good at finding quarterback talent. So I, I think that's an excellent point that nobody should write off the Calgary Panthers. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, they also already signed Kamar Jordan. Um and yes. again, I think I think all of us agree that, uh, you know, the reason that Calgary was a vulnerable team down the stretch last year was basically because Mitchell was throwing four guys named who, you know, and, <laughs> and no, I mean, I'm serious. You, yep. It was like, you know, who's this guy, you know, yep. and and if if they get uh, uh, if they you know, I know they signed uh, uh, Sean Bergman uh, earlier today. Uh, we again Wednesday is the day that we're that we're recording this podcast. You know, if 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 some of the, for lack of a better phrase, I'll call them second tier, not necessarily in quality, but just in terms of attention. If a lot of those second tier guys decide, yeah, you know what, I think I like it here and I'm staying here. Maybe Calgary's fall isn't as um, uh, dramatic as it might have first been thought. I just don't believe that they're going to be the steamroller as oh, it stands, please. as it stands right now. I oh, mean, it, it could be interesting next year. I personally, I hope that free agency shuffles everything up so that next year we don't have to worry about this sub 500 team from the East making the playoffs. We don't have to think about the crossover. Maybe things between the divisions can even up a little bit. And I'm not just saying that because I want the Alouettes to actually sign some proper free agents. You mean, you mean the Argos? <laughs> you, meant, you meant to say uh, I'm sorry, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You meant the, the Argos. Argos. That's yes, right. I, I want the Argos to finish in last place. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> <laughs> right okay and well then you guys wonder why i'm okay with where the bombers are at at the moment of the three regular co-hosts of the rouge white and blue i think we can envy your team the most joe going into 2019 uh andrew buckholtz we can find your work at awfulannouncing.com can we find you anywhere else yeah you can uh, find me on twitter at andrew buckholtz Oh, that's easy. All right, so that's uh, B-U-C-H-H-O-L-Z for Buckholz at on Twitter. Okay, there you go. On Twitter. Uh, thanks very much for coming, Andrew. Uh, how by, the you... way, by the way, Andrew, one quick question. Is the dog now a Kansas Jayhawk fan? <laughs> well, well, we're all, we're all LSU fans here, but we're definitely uh, fond of the Kansas Jayhawks for uh, for hiring left house. Who, who, who yes, I, I I was wondering if like you know the dog would be sporting a a bluish colored, um, uh, not a bandana, the thing to wrap around a dog's neck. Um, what they call those things? Um, scarves. 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 That's it. I was wondering if maybe it was going to be like Kansas blue instead of LSU purple now or something. <laughs> yeah, we have, we haven't got there yet, but yeah, we might have to get we might have to get him some Jayhawks apparel to go with his LSU stuff. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, 
Get him a scarf for California. That'll that'll work out really well. All right, uh, Doctor Roos, let's close out this show. Give us some words of wisdom to uh, leave us with. Well, you know, all you know, all kidding aside, earlier about you know the 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 uh, the rounds weather. No, oh, well, okay. no, we're not going to talk about the NFL. Okay, you know, all all talk earlier about you know it was this cold <laughs> in some place and this cold in another place. You know, uh, on on again Wednesday, the day that we're recording this podcast. Uh, kudos to Bell Canada, which for yes. and, and I forget the number of years in a row now, and and I should know the number, but. You know, for for sponsoring its Bell Let's Talk campaign, um, a campaign that I think very subtly but very powerfully um, ensures that that stigma, which is still pretty baked in, uh, but that stigma that society has about uh, mental health il- illness uh, you know, or illnesses across the board uh, is taken away in this idea of, you know what, if you're having a day where you don't feel good, Let's find somebody that you can talk to. So kudos to Bell Canada for a uh, a uh, effort that is a multi-year now, and I think it's something that uh, uh, you know folks in Canada, especially, but those of us who know a lot of folks up there as well uh, who live in the states, can follow on Twitter. So thumbs up to Bell Canada. All right, thanks for that, Doctor Ruse. Joe, what do you got to go out on? Well, I want to thank Andrew for coming and joining us this week. It was great to uh, catch up with him again as we uh, tend to do uh, pretty much on an annual basis. Uh, and uh, Oz, I know you're a betting man, so I will tell you to take the under on the XFL's life expectancy. Oh, damn it. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me to take the under on the Super Bowl, which, in fact, I did. And my closing words, if I had any, would be go Rams. Come on, let's and, make and, me some money. And take the Lakers with you. No. Oh, oh, <laughs> you're killing it. Dude, we're going to have Anthony Davis next week. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, in any case, let's get out of here before we actually start talking about cricket, which I really do love very much. I'm Oz Davis, and for our guest Andrew Buckholtz and my co-host Joe Pritchard and Dr. Rouge, this has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. We will talk to you soon. I don't know exactly when. Soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.